Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio today. I'm your host, Molly DeVos. You know, cats have been our mysterious companions for thousands of years, really, captivating us with their grace and their independence and, of course, their mesmerizing meows. But behind those enchanting eyes and mysterious behaviors lie a secret code, a language spoken through body movements, graceful body movements, I might add, vocalizations, and subtle cues that most of us have only scratched the surface of understanding. And today I have with us author Sarah Brown. She has a new book that just came out titled The Hidden Language of Cats. And she has certainly cracked the code of cats' communication. And today, together, we'll shed light on the hidden language that binds us to these enigmatic creatures, bringing us closer to understanding and strengthening our unique bond with them. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you so much. I'm so pleased to be here. And we're very pleased to have you. Sarah, interestingly enough, as you'll you'll read when you read her book, and I and I know you will after this interview, she actually got her PhD studying the social behavior of neutered domestic cats while working at the Anthrozoology Institute at the University of Southampton in the United Kingdom. And she's also a cat behavior counselor. And she's a consultant for the cat toy industry. And she's conducted research for several UK animal charities. She has other books on cat behavior as well. So if you like this one, check those out as well. And Sarah lives, you live in London, England with your family, of course, and your dog and cats. How how many cats do you have? Um, I have I have one cat at the moment. Um, I have Smudge, who um, is, is featured in my book. And... Uh... She's 15 now, so she's oh, been a wow. companion for a long time. Yeah, getting up there. And I only have one also, Pico, my beloved Pico. All of our listeners are familiar with Pico. <laughs> I want to start by talking about kind of kind of the big question, the the are cats domesticated question. And and you talk about this in the book, and I'm glad you did because you know, I've always said that that they're socialized in in some cases, of course, but I wouldn't personally classify them as as domesticated. Share with everybody your thoughts on that subject. So yeah, I go into it in quite a lot of detail in, in the book because there are so many elements to what we what we actually classify as a as a domestic animal. And whilst cats, you know, they do sort of fulfill some of these, you know, they they're, they're friendly. Well, some of them are, and you know they, they'll live with us, and they can live around each other. But then there's parts of of the qualification for being domestic that they just struggle with, which is 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 being having their breeding controlled by us. So you know we have so many cats that just get on with it themselves, and that really sort of doesn't fulfil the domestic qualification. So it's a yes, it's a a much contested question and you know people will go on arguing about it for years 
And meanwhile, the cats will just carry on doing what they do. <laughs> right. Being perfect in their own right. Yes. <laughs> and you talk about it, it and you talk about tails a lot because in the, you know, the book, The Hidden Language of Cats is all about how commun- cats communicate to each other and to us. And yes. as you know, as a colony and and that kind of thing. And and of course the tail, you know, I think is one of the most, you know, communicative features of a cat. And and I learned something that was was very interesting. You you mentioned that the domestic cats and lions are the only cat species that show tail up, the other species don't. And yes, you right. you meant and you mentioned a researcher in there that thinks that this might be due to their transition from a pure solitary existence in the wildcat to a more flexible social arrangement of domesticated cats. And of course, we use that term lightly, you and I do. (laughs) Do you think that tail up is actually part of a cat's evolution, meaning not just the tail up by itself, but as, as these domestic cats are continuing to evolve. Do you think that they're actually going to develop more of a social hierarchy? So I I think they they develop tail up uh, as a signal, you know, as part of domestication, because not domestication, but as a living in groups and having to live with people who don't notice their, you know, their other signals always. So it's a nice obvious signal. And I think they they keep it from kittenhood from because all kittens do it to their mums and then domestic cats continue to do it into adulthood, which is the same in lions. And I think there are other behaviours that you know that maybe are similar, like meowing. Um, but yeah, I think I think there may be new behaviours that come out over time that that you know that they will start to use with us. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I always tell I always tell clients that. You know, they because people in general seem to, as Jackson Galaxy puts it, see cats through dog colored glasses. You know, they tend to relate to their cats as from what they know from dogs and dogs have evolved with a social hierarchy. They're they're a pack animal. They understand relationships and pleasing each other and pleasing their pack leader. But cats didn't evolve with that social hierarchy at all. They're a solitary species. That's why I think they they're so amazing because they they you know they didn't they didn't come with a set of social signals like dogs did from their wolf ancestors they they had to sort of invent a whole new system they they you know, their solitary ancestors just communicated by scent and um that was enough really they hardly ever saw each other and <laughs> they just used to leave their marks and you know someone else would pick it up later but as soon as they started to, um, you know, live in close quarters with each other and with us, they needed new signals and and they didn't have them. So um, things like tail up and meow um, are, are inventions, really. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating to think how they've how they've adapted. And another thing that that they do when they live in close proximity to one another um, that they didn't when they're very solitary is is allo grooming. 
and yeah. you're right. And aloe grooming is, you know, for our listeners that don't know, that's the act of a, a species. It's not just cats, but grooming one another. And and you mentioned in multicat places, of course, they rub each other and other items. And I I agree with you that they're creating a a layered, unique scent that becomes kind of the community scent. And I think it's a way that maybe they recognize members of their group because they they they're no longer, I mean, they have their individual scent, but around the home, all the items that they've marked now has this unique community layered scent that they all recognize. Yes, exactly. Um, and I also think rubbing is really interesting because it's not only a, a scent, and same with aloe grooming, it's not all to do with scent, I don't think. I think there's a lot of tactile, um, you know, benefits in there. I think they like to touch each other and, and get that, you know, that social bonding from, from rubbing and grooming. Mm-hmm. So, and then you did say that in the book, you think that they think it feels good. I mean, not only when they, when they touch each other and rub each other, but when, when humans rub them too, you were, you were talking about how that actually is releasing the oxytocin for them. Yeah. There's been quite a lot of research on, on touch, um, mostly in humans, um, obviously. <laughs> and, um, you know, if, if you sort of extrapolate that to cats, I think you can you can see some similarities that that they get they get you know pleasure from being stroked by us and pleasure from rubbing on each other. Mm-hmm. And speaking of rubbing, so you mentioned something in the book, the jumpy rub. <laughs> and that's oh, what, I love the jumpy rub. Jumpy yeah. rub. Well, my what people, you call it, Molly. I well. I, I, in my case, because my cat Pico is the only one that I've really seen do it and he does it to extreme. He jumps yeah. way up high and he actually bunts your butt. Right. <laughs> so right. I, I call it a, 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 his butt bunt, but, <laughs> and in the book you pondered that this action might actually be an attempt to reach our head, right? Because that's well, maybe, where, yeah. right? And <laughs> but, slightly tongue in cheek, but I, yeah, I just think, well, that's what they want to rub ultimately, because that's what they do to each other. So maybe that's what they're headed for. I don't know, because you know, when I put my head down at, at Pico and I try to try to like headbutt him back or rub my cheek yeah. against his, oh, he just recoils and goes, <laughs> get away from me. <laughs> He's definitely not interested in 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 my face and his. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, <laughs> I might have to rethink something. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, but it, you know, I noticed when he was a kitten, he would jump up on his back legs and stand up a lot. So I I used that, captured that in training, and now he he walks on his back legs as a you know like people do at at the queue walk for treats, of course, because oh, nice, yeah. We we know they don't do it to please us, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the jumpy rub's definitely sweet. Very cute. It is cute. Now, I love this fact that you share. You say, one study of free-ranging cats observed 22 different behaviors with scent or sniffs comprising 30% of the total behaviors recorded. And this really highlights the important of scent, of communicating in scent and in interpreting the world through their nose that, that cats live by. Absolutely. Yes. It, it's, it, I mean, it is the, you know, main, main um, 
way of communicating still, even though they've got all these new ways that they've invented, not invented, but, you know, evolved. And um, I just think that's that's why it's hard for us to always notice how they're communicating because, you know, we're, we're not so scent-focused as, <laughs> as people. No, uh, we definitely aren't. I mean, with, yeah, yeah, with us, it's sight and, you and know, vocalizations. I, yeah, right. Yeah. And, I, you know, I get I get uh, lots of consults where someone's taken a cat to the vet and brought it home. And then we have unrecognition aggression going on between the felines and they're they can't comprehend it. They're like, yeah. right, what, what do you mean he can't? He doesn't know who he is. It doesn't change. Can he just look at him and see it's the same cat? <laughs> you know, like we no, would. He smells of the vet. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's so important, which, and, and things like scratching, you know, leaving, leaving deposits of scent on things, you know, that, that's so important to know that your cat needs to, to scratch on things and, and leave its scent and to provide it with something to, to scratch on. Right, that that you can mutually agree is is okay to yeah, scratch on. <laughs> yeah, not the couch. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, in fact, I was uh, I was evaluating a cat yesterday at the shelter, and he he had been a bite case, and we were ending the bite observation period, so I was doing the behavior evaluation on him, and he. He was lovely at first. He, you know, rubbing and rolling into my hand and tail was up and came to greet me. Head was high. He was, you know, nice, nice open body language. And I'm rolling on him and petting him. And then he he rolls over and he starts to smell my hand more closely. <laughs> and, and he's smelling it more closely. And all of a sudden he hisses at me and swats my hand. It's oh <laughs> like, okay, well. Clearly, there was some lingering other cat smell on there that I hadn't fully sanitized off. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yes, it's, know, they're quite sensitive to it, aren't they? They really are. They really are. Now, I was surprised to find too, and another thing that that uh, I learned in the book, you said that just like cats, our bodies are covered in glands that excrete sweat, and <laughs> I never thought of cats sweating. Do they... yeah, well, well, they on their paws, they you know, you see their little sometimes they get little hot feet and they you can see that little paw prints. Um, uh, they're more like scent glands, I think, on cats that I, that I was trying to talk about in the book. Ah, uh, I yeah, I read that as 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 sweat, sweat glands, and I, I do notice when especially when they get nervous, they they get their feet get wet, you know, their, yeah. their little feet get wet, but. I didn't but not think... the rest of their body. No, not really. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I thought, I thought, wow, that's interesting. But, and that goes on to into the next thing is you were talking about, you know, smelling our cats and the study that says that people really are not able to identify their own cat's smell, even though cats have clearly have, have very unique scents. And yet, you know, they are so able to smell the difference in each other very quickly. Yes, and and in us, presumably. <laughs> they can tell who's who, you know, which owner is which. Mm -hmm. Smell. And and clearly what things smell like us too. Like they'll lay on things that that smell like us because I, presumably they're trying to mix scent with us as well. 
they'll also yeah. urinate on things that smell like us. Yes, definitely. And they'll also urinate on things that don't smell right. So, you know, as you know, they'll quite often urinate on new things that are brought into the house or new furniture or, you know, new decoration. Um, anything that doesn't smell right, they will they will spray on or um, rub on crazily. Hopefully rub on, not spray on. But yeah, they, um, they do check out the smells constantly. And you said, too, this was interesting. You were talking about warm things, you know, and, and spraying. You said that sprayers will often target electrical appliances that warm up when operation like computers and printers. I hear of cats peeing and printers all the time. Yes, or toasters. Yeah, and toasters. So why is it? Why are they drawn? Is it the heat or the it's smell? The heat. So I think as it heats up, the smell, you know, is enhanced <laughs> wonderfully and disperses, you know, better. And um, yeah, so it's it's it just warms up and spreads the message to the world, I think. And I see. And so you think that's why they're spraying on it, because then it warms up their urine and also amplifies it. Yeah, I think I, I think that's the theory. And, and I think, you know, once they've done it once and they know that it smells, you know, really good afterwards. Um, or really strong afterwards, they'll probably repeat it. Yeah, that's fascinating. <laughs> that's, just, that's that's fascinating. Another thing that you talk about is, you know, we talk about cats meowing, right? That their their vocalizations, yeah. which were pretty absent, except between you know mother and kitten, and of course when they're fighting or mating, until yeah. they you know begin relationship with with us. And you talk about how. We talk back to them in our little high pitched sweet voice, and that's I right. and and I love the term that 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 that's called motherese. I know, isn't it wonderful? <laughs> that's a great term, <laughs> which is used for for mothers and well and fathers talking to their babies. Really, you know, that's that's a term that they use for that, and it's definitely uh, transfers into the cat world. Yeah, definitely. And I've always theorized that they liked it just because, you know, they can hear higher ranges of sound. And there's some theories that maybe that's why they're drawn to women more than men is because we typically have higher pitch voices. And for some reasons, the cats are, you know, drawn to the higher pitch sounds. I don't know. Yes. I mean, there's a there's a sort of a discussion about, well, do we do we do it because we're trying to you know, talk to them like they're our babies, or are we doing it to try and sound a bit more like our cats? Because obviously they're higher pitched. Um, and 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 also the other way around, do they, you know, do they listen more to us when we speak in this mother reason? And there has been a small study to show that they they recognize this, that when you speak in that voice, that means you're talking to them. And when you speak in your normal voice, they're not, you're not speaking to them, you're speaking to someone else in the house, which I think is very interesting they, that, they recognize it as their voice to listen to they are i've said more than any other species i think i've ever worked with they are masters of cause and effect they recognize <laughs> right they really yes. recognize what happens when that happens and they yes. remember it right because they've got these long-term memories and they'll use it to to try to control their environment Exactly. And we think they're not listening and they're not doing anything, but actually they're um, they're banking it all up. 
they definitely are. And they, I mean, and they, it's, it's so clear when people reinforce behaviors, nuisance behaviors, like meowing. I, I get lots of people tell me, well, my cat is just meowing all the time and I can't get any work done. And I said, well, what do you do when your cat's meowing at you? And they'll say, well, I look at it and I go, what do you want? Why are you meowing? I'm like, yep, there you go. <laughs> Reward. Yes. Reward. <laughs> it's so funny. They're so smart. They're so they're smarter than us and more observant, I think, than us in so yeah. many ways. They work much harder at the old communication than than we do to them. I think they, you know, they know that that vocalization is the way to get us. And um, because that's what we do all day long. Then they just true. Yeah. Masters of it. <laughs> well, and they know when they just sit there and stare and things like that, we don't pay attention. But if they we say something, yeah. we notice. <laughs> yeah. And and along that line, so I've got a question for you. I am fostering a cat that's about a year old that was actually uh, bred in a hoarder's house. So this hoarder died years ago and um, the son is you know, slowly trapping the cats in the house and bringing them into the shelter. So this cat being a year old doesn't have any, any history of interaction with humans prior to being trapped and brought into the shelter. So of course she's, you know, she's exhibiting high stress body language. When she was in the shelter, she was hiding in a side cubby, you know, very tight, tense, crouched position, dilated eyes, you know, and Instead of meowing, she was chattering at us, and you know, oh, wow. just just like they do, like with birds. Now, I, yeah, I have never seen that. I mean, hissing, growling, yowling, you know, mewling, all of that, all of those stress help me type of calls I get. I have never had a stressed cat chatter at me. Do you have any theory of what that's about? I've never heard that, um, <laughs> um, and I think you've probably seen more more cases like that than I have. But I, I, um, I don't know. Do you think? Um, do you think it's just a form of of growling? Is it? Is it? Could it be? You know, is it just sort of a primitive sort of growling at you, or or just a warning sound, perhaps? I have no idea, and there was no, there wasn't any growling under it. And, right. Okay. And it and didn't she, progress to anything no. else. No. And she does. I mean, we pushed past that behavior threshold and touched her and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't bite or okay. um, things like that. She's just she so scared. It. Yeah. She's, she's frozen in fear, chattering though. Every time we open mm -hmm. the door, chatter, 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 chatter. And not, I mean, you know, head is low and pulled as far back into her body as she can get it. She's not, she's not leaning forward. There's no, curious. <laughs> no, there's no attempt at social interaction that way at all. And I had, I think she's learned that off. I'd be interested to know if, if any of the other cats in the hoarder house did the same thing. Do you think, you know, you had any experience of those with a yeah, none of those are behavior. Yeah, no, that's a good question. And we do have several of the others in the shelter and none of them are chattering at all. Okay. And I, I don't know. I just wonder, you know, maybe she's confused. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> I, 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 am, 
Maybe it's no a go-to idea. noise. Maybe it's a self-comforting noise, you know, like like a purring or a you know kneading. I don't know. Maybe she's somehow trying to comfort herself. Yeah. Heightened. Um, wow. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> it. Yeah. It's very. I think I have it on video, so I'll send it to yeah, you. So I'd you. Love to see that. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see it. It's very different. And it. And it. And so in this process, now I have another question for you regarding her. So. I now have her home and I have her in a, you know, a three-tiered kennel, tall kennel and, uh, and we're, we're doing counter conditioning, you know, I'm giving her lots of treats and I'm petting her while she's eating and trying to getting her used to, you know, human touch without, without trauma. What I think the shelter environment brings a lot of trauma and that becomes real difficult, which is why I brought her home. And the first touch that she reacted to is under her chin you know as as it is with a lot of them and you know sticks her head out and scratching under her chin and in reading your book and I'd never thought about this before but it made me wonder why is that with a cat who's never been touched there before and it's not a place where they touch each other and it's not a place that they stroke themselves as a pleasure center. So why, why do they lean into, you know, with absolutely no social history for generations for her, why do they respond to us scratching under their chin? It's a very good question. And and I've thought about it often, but it works with every single cat. I think It's it's the first place you can get them, isn't it? When they finally, they finally relent and say, yes, okay, you can, touch me it's always there and I think I mean they have glands there um you know that we would rub with on on objects but why it's, it's just maybe it's super sensitive under their chin and they just can't resist it once you touch them <laughs> um or, you know do you think she did have interaction with other cats in the house so oh yes maybe, you know maybe she was rubbing on objects or maybe she was you know, they, other cats were grooming her under the chin. Who who knows what what went on in that house? Um, so maybe you just touched a place where that you know she had been touched before by another cat, and you know you just sort of hit home. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It seemed because it, like you said, it's pretty universal. You know, yeah. cats, yeah. especially the the ones that we're trying to socialize. That that seems to be. Yeah. yeah, the the first place that they go. Oh yeah, that feels good. Scratch it yeah. there. But, you know, and, and and in reading the book about all the places they rub each other and that kind of thing, I, it made me start thinking, you know, it, it's not it's certainly not common that cats touch each other in that spot under, under their the chin. chin. No, you're right. Although they sometimes groom each other there, you know, that ally groom each other. So maybe maybe it's a similar sensation when, when we touch them to another cat. You know, yeah. Them, yeah. Interesting. And so in, in another term that you use that's that's really cute was the the uh, the tail being the catometer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes, you can tell a lot from the tail. <laughs> and 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 I want to talk a minute about the tail quiver, right? Cuz Yeah. <laughs> Pico does it. And I'm I was so glad to hear you define it as happening when they're excited because a lot of other people call it mock spraying and say that it actually could lead to spraying 
And so I was very glad to hear that you were calling it excitement because Pico does it. He does it up on the counter where he gets fed, that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. They, I mean, obviously it does. They do quiver their tail like that when they're about to spray. But I think the two occasions are so so different that you can tell that that a cat is excited and you know anticipating something a marvelous rather than you know feeling stressed and wanting to mark on a wall um so yeah i, I think the quiver is just wonderful and they especially when they run up to you with the tail up and then it does this quiver and you think wow yeah <laughs> you're really pleased to see me <laughs> it's so excited and i just like oh i'm so excited yeah <laughs> And and a big point you bring up that you know I think we uh, certainly in a in a shelter setting because this yeah. is this is such an issue but you bring up a point about that humans lack of recognizing when a cat is done with petting and yeah. I love the term that you use you know the the um, the stroking you know satiety. And, I, and I've always been familiar with, you know, olfactory fatigue where, you know, the nose gets tired of smelling the same scent and it'll quit yeah. smelling, right? Yeah. And same thing with cats, you know, when cats, you're petting them and and then they seem to just bite you out of nowhere. So talk about yeah. what's happening there when that happens. So, yeah, this is sort of slightly back to the, the touch thing. And so, you know, the, the, when you, this the most of the work's been done on humans, but when you touch someone or gently stroke like you gently stroke someone's arm for a bit it's really nice <laughs> and then after a while you know it gets less nice and then after a while okay I'm, I'm done with that um it doesn't feel you know great anymore and so I think that you know the same applies when you're stroking a cat at first it's lovely and you know it's really enjoying it and leaning into it and then after a while, you know, those those sensations are, are starting to wane. And after, you know, after a bit more of a while, you know, the tail will start to twitch a bit and, and maybe the ears will go down. And quite often, I mean, in the, in the home setting, you know, you might have the cat on your lap and you're not really looking at what you're doing. You're watching the TV or just distracted and you don't notice these subtle changes. And then suddenly <laughs> some claws are wrapped around your hand or, you know, something like that you know that is all gone pear-shaped basically and the same in the in the shelter you know people come in and they enthusiastically pet the you know one of the one of the shelter cats and and go on and on and on and and don't really realize that it's time to stop so yeah because i don't i i think the point is people don't understand the hidden language of cats which is why they need to get your book and read it and so they know when yes, watch your cats is what i'm saying watch your cat a bit more and, and and just think about what it's thinking and experiencing and smelling and feeling so yeah, yeah. and that and that makes me wonder too i have been seeing a lot of overstimulated cats in the shelter more than in previous years and these cats won't stand any amount of petting, you know, they give you very excited, um, hyper almost body language, you know, head high, tail high, 
lots of walking around and looking, you know, looking around. They're usually trying to escape their kennel, very active. And then, and they accept pets like side of their face and sometimes top of head and around the ears. And then as soon as you go to pet down their back, boy, they whip around and bite you immediately on that first try as if, as if that whole spine is just, you know, on electric fire or something. So why, why do you think that's an increase in that then? You know, I don't know. And I wonder if I'm, I'm really wondering if it's something environmental that we're seeing in homes, you know, or diet, maybe some exposure that, that cats are having that's creating this overstimulating. I've talked to people in other shelters and they've all agreed that they've seen more overstimulated cats in the shelters in the past, you know, 18 months. It's been kind of slow and, but it's a lot. And that quite frankly, they're our highest bite risk in a shelter because they're giving you all this positive pet me, pet me body language. And then when you go to do it, they bite you. Wow. There's a research study in there somewhere. I'm sure you could look at the background of them all because <laughs> they'll all come from different backgrounds, right? So you'd have to find out yeah. what had gone on previously. It's Yeah. That's, yeah. That's Mostly owned cats. I will say that I don't typically okay. see overstimulation in our stray cats um, or in our hoarding cats. They don't, they're, they're much more higher stress body language and make it clear that they're really not comfortable with us interacting with them. So this is, this is pretty much exclusively with cats that have been surrendered to shelters. Right. Gosh, that's that's really interesting. Yeah. Your next research paper. I'm going to say, yeah, that's a whole book in itself, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to help in any way I can. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and and you know, cats we they also as I was saying like these overstimulated cats don't make a lot of eye contact. They glance at us and they're really looking beyond us at ways to get out of the kennel. Right. And in and in our behavior modification programs, I, I teach people not to stare because that, you know, between stranger cats, it be, it's a confrontational gesture when they're yeah. staring at each other. But it it's funny at home, I notice Pico sits and stares at me when he wants me to do something for him, right? right. <laughs> and in the book, you talk about an experiment where the cats actually stare more at their owners when they can't figure something out, like a food puzzle or something oh, like right. that. Yeah, they look, they look to you for cues, perhaps, or for, or like you say, for, for, for action. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about the slow blink. I thought you were going to talk about that in the shelter. Maybe people try that a bit more and try yeah. blinking gently. But if they're not making eye contact in the first place, that's quite difficult. Yeah, yeah. we do. And we we teach them to, you know, if the cat is if the cat is staring at us with huge dilated eyes and frozen yeah. in fear, you know, we do what's called considerate approach. So we'll turn sideways to appear smaller and you know lower our heads and kind of watch the cat out of the side of our eyes so that we're not straight yeah. on confrontationally staring at them yeah it's, uh, it's the only way yeah yeah but i do notice it's is real different in how you know owned cats act in their home and how they respond versus 
cats that are in a shelter setting or cats in a community setting like like you've worked with. Yes, yes, they're, they're very different behavior. Yeah. So what's the most fascinating thing you find out about cats and how they communicate with us? I think I think the overall thing researching the book and everything that I you know all the scientific discoveries I just think that they just have so much to say for it for themselves <laughs> they've got so much to tell us and um you know they work really hard at trying to communicate with us we they just have a different style to us and we have to look so much closer and work harder to understand what they're trying to say you know especially compared to dogs say you know where, where it's sort of a lot more obvious Cats are just very subtle, and um, and I just want people to try harder to understand them, I guess. And I think, too, it's a species that we cohabitate with that a lot of their attempts to communicate with us are natural behaviors, but things that we don't appreciate, like, exactly. you know, the scent mixing, and then, and then that becomes a, a problem, you know, that may lead to the cat's surrender and, and things like that when... If we just realize what's natural behavior to the cat, then maybe we can see it in a different light and try to figure out what the cat's really trying to say. I don't like the litter box. There's a cat I'm seeing outside, you know, whatever that may be. Yeah, very much so. I think, and I think it's, I think it can be fun to try and find out, you know, what your cat wants to do and and find a way to let it do it <laughs> um you know whether it be playing or playing with a you know a wand toy or or, or scratching a you know a new new post you've got it because it you realize that it likes to scratch a um you know a vertical post or, or you've realized it likes to scratch you know horizontally instead and wow look i found this thing and it's really happy now it's just there's just very many small things we can do to to capture their uh, amazing language. Yeah. And like I said, they're so smart. Why Mike Pico and I play this game. We play, you know, stock game. And anytime I walk through, my husband and I both work from home. The printer is in his office. So I walk from one end of the house to the other to pick things up off the printer. And Pico's inevitably in the common space in between. And he'll see me coming and I'll make eye contact and then I'll crouch down and I'll go behind the sofa and he'll come charging over and, you know, and jump at me. And we have this little game we play like that. We pop out around corners at each other and, and, uh, and it's fun. Well, Dewey did it the other day. My husband Dewey, he was coming and, and he had seen me do it. And so he was engaging in that play with Pico and Pico just thought that was awesome that somebody else knew the game he didn't know that dewey knew the game and then the next day dewey comes into my office and he goes okay you need to do something with pico i'm like what what's going on and he said he's he's clawing at my back because he's in an office chair with like a mesh back and pico is clawing at the back and i said he goes, what does he want? Why is he doing this? I just fed him and, you know, it's everything's, he's got everything he wants. Why is he doing it? And I said, well, what do you do when he does it? And he said, I got up and came and told you. And I said, uh-huh. And he thought maybe you would play that new game he likes so much along the way. Yes, exactly. I'll right? get him to move. Yeah. <laughs> it was exactly that. It's like he, he knew that it got you up. And if you got up, you had a much better chance of getting you to play the game with him. <laughs> Mark Cat. 
they are they're so 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 smart and it's uh it's kind of scary crazy how smart they are really (laughs) is so the book is the hidden language of cats how they have us at meow and we've been talking with sarah brown today sarah thank you so so much for coming on to cat talk radio and talking about some of these awesome things in the book thank you so much for having me it's been great fun yeah, and this book has just come out, so go find it. I, I absolutely recommend this to everybody. All, if you think you know cat body language, trust me, there are things you're going to learn in this book. And I already recommended it to all of our participants in the Feline Ride at Home program this morning. I said you guys all need to go out and get this book and read it because it's it'll the more you learn about cat language, body language, and what they're trying to say to you and how they're feeling – the better we know to interact with them. So everybody. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Go get this book and read it. It's a it's a good one. Thanks so much, Molly. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you everyone for tuning in today. And until next time, keep calm and purr on. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.